Does that give us a little better sound? Oh. Now when I sing, I have to remember to turn it off. Yeah. So we have this next hymn, um, Still, Still, Still. Now it's an Austrian Christmas carol. It's also a lullaby. And in German, its first line is, Still, 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 weil's Kindlein schlafen will. Hush, 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 for the little child wants to sleep. Well, the melody's a folk tune. Authorship is really unknown. From the state of Salzburg is where this comes from. And the tune appeared for the first time in 1865 in a folk song collection. So there we are finishing the Civil War here, and this hymn is introduced. I thought it was beautiful when I heard it performed by the Norban Luboff Choirs, child. And then um, it became a part of the continual Christmas repertoire for the Vienna Boys Choir. And then the piano guys have recorded a pretty creative version of the carol. They did that in 2013, and you can download that now onto your iPod. And we have an even better treat this morning. We have our own piano guy who will play an arrangement by Martin. So in order to understand what in the world James is going to play, I thought we should sing stanzas one and two of Still, Still, Still. It's number 124.
me to sleep over here. That was wonderful. Anything you want to offer, James, at all about infant holy or infant lowly, or should we just sing that? Just sing it. Yeah, we've been into the infancy thing. So now we'll just move to number 128. comes from about the 13th or 14th century a Polish carol yeah anybody want to pronounce the name of that tune for me over there you find it on the far right side just under the line that's the name of the tune right it's kind of complicated to say the tune name yeah Victoria probably would Uh, the words to some carols have been set to more than one tune. In your hymnal, you'll find two different tunes for Away in the Manger. And I've learned that there are some people, if we sing it one way, will let me know we sang it the wrong way. Doesn't matter which one you choose. In other cases, there are different words that are set to the same tune. Some of you would quickly recognize the tune to bring a short torch Jeanette Isabella. I mean, it's a French carol. It has a lot of bounce to it. Uh, the carol was first published in 1553 in France, and it was subsequently translated into English in the 18th century. And originally, the song was not to be sung at Christmas, but was rather a dance for French nobility. In the carol, visitors to the stable have to keep their voices down so that the newborn child can enjoy his dreams. And to this day in Provence, France, children dress up as shepherds and milkmaids and they carry torches or candles to the midnight mass on Christmas Eve and as they go, this bring a torch, Jeanette Isabella, is what they sing. 
But just as there can be multiple tunes for the same words, there can be different words for the same tune. So in our hymnal, we have words written for us by Ken Bible. Isn't that a great last name? Here's this fellow. His last name is Bible. And he's a graduate of the Cincinnati Conservatory of Music, and he writes an amazing blog for hymnologists. And today we're going to sing one stanza of Bring a Torch, Jeanette Isabella, with Ken Bible's words. Okay? And the next hymn is one that you should all know, number 123. want to sing all five verses? <laughs> Did you know how many verses this really has? Uh, probably many, many more than this. Yeah, actually this carol has 14 verses. Uh, why don't we just sing one and five? Would that be okay with you? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Hark the Herald has been around since uh, 1789. And if you look at the bottom of the page in our hymnal, that's uh, 
uh, for this hymn. That's 120. Well, it says 127, but you go ahead and take a look at 127. We'll get to a correction we're going to make. Um, you will see that this was written by a wonderful Methodist, uh, Charles Wesley. Others like Felix Mendelssohn made a few changes along the way, and then in 1840, a hundred years after the publication of, of uh, hymns and sacred poems, Mendelssohn composed a cantata to commemorate Johann Gutenberg's invention of the printing press and the the official publication, really, of the Bible, and then adapted the English musician William Cummings to fit the lyrics for Hark the Herald uh, Angels Sing. Originally, by the way, it was the intention of Charles Wesley to use this tune and to then create another hymn, another set of words to the same tune. And those words were planned to be sung on Easter. So the church would have sung the same words, well, different words, but the same tune on Christmas and Easter. That was Charles Wesley's plan. Um, But what you're going to discover is that the tune 127 is very different from the tune that you know, which is 119. Could you play just a couple bars of 127, James, so we have an idea? I think we're losing them, James. <laughs> is that the heart the herald angels sing you? You know, no. I, I, we thought as much, but is that interesting that? That's Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Now if we go to 119, you'll find what you're used to. And there we can sing stanzas 1 and 3.
Yeah. We'll sing stanzas of one and four of 147. Our scripture lesson for this morning, this first gospel lesson, sets up what we'll be singing in a moment in Bethlehem, a newborn boy. It is taken from Matthew 2. It follows on the story of the three wise men making their way closer to baby Jesus. And as you can see, our wise men have moved again on Christmas Eve. Somehow they landed in the tree, but they're someplace else now. Maybe you can see them. This particular scripture is interesting in that it has Joseph hearing God's word three times in dreams. Have you ever wondered if God speaks to each one of us in dreams? And there's also a reference to a prophet speaking so that the prophet's words might be fulfilled. Fascinating how God speaks to us in dreams, in scripture, in music, in nature, I invite each one of us to hear God's word to us today. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take this child and its mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search out the child to destroy him. And Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night and went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet, Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated. And he sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had learned from the wise men. Then what was fulfilled about which had been spoken through the prophet Jeremiah, a voice was heard in Ramah wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they are no more. When Herod died, an angel of the Lord suddenly appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, 
take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel, for those who were seeking the child's life are dead. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And after being warned in a dream, he went away to the district of Galilee. There he made his home in a town called Nazareth, so that what had been spoken through the prophets might be fulfilled. He will be called a Nazarene. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Some of you may have come from a tradition where the 28th of December was always known as the Festival of Holy Innocence. Sometimes uh, that's celebrated on the Sunday after Christmas, the closest Sunday to that. And it's a time when we remember what has happened uh, to all of those other children in Bethlehem who suffered at the hand of this very strange, paranoid King Herod. Uh, Jesus escaped the problem that was there, but many did not. And uh, it's not very often that we would ever sing a carol about that, but we do have one today that depicts this, and um, it's written by Rosamund Herklotz. It was composed for the Sunday after Christmas or even Epiphany when the church traditionally reads this story. And so we're going uh, to sing the, the first and the last stanzas of 153. Thank you. 
Luke 2:41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast had ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the company, they went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinfolk and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when they saw him, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been looking for you anxiously. I think she probably said it a little differently than those words. And he said to them, How is it that you sought me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying which he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. And his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God. The word of the Lord. Now we can sing the rest of the story. Now do you get a sense of how often hymns retell stories of what the scripture has been saying to us? Um, I'm not quite sure what's on people's minds today, um, but I know that before you worship again, uh, there will be a time for New Year's, and also before we worship again, some people will head from this congregation to South Carolina. A few of them are here, and they're going to be going on a mission trip. They'll be heading to a new establishment of a PDA camp. So I'm going to invite them into the chancel.
there's been a lot of flooding in South Carolina around Columbia, and um, a lot of homes have been badly damaged. Let me tell you what often happens is that people have mortgages on their homes. And when they have mortgages, the bank requires them to have insurance. And as then sometimes the houses are paid off, people try to save some money and no longer carry the insurance on the house as they were required to do by the bank or the mortgage lending company. And then a catastrophe hits like this, and there's no way to repair the house. Often in catastrophes, a lot of people show up immediately, whether it's the Red Cross or the Salvation Army or FEMA, and then they leave, and people are left not knowing what to do. That's when teams of people like this one will head to help out. So we thought it would be appropriate to commission them today. Hear what the Apostle Paul has written. Our gifts differ according to the grace given to us. If your gift is prophecy, use it as your faith suggests. If it's administration, then use it for administration. If teaching, use it for teaching. Let preachers deliver sermons, almsgivers give freely, officials be diligent, and those who do works of mercy do them with cheerfulness. Do not let your love be pretense, but sincerely prefer good to evil. Work always for the Lord with untiring effort and with earnestness of spirit. You've accepted this task for which we are all grateful. I have these questions for all of us. Do you welcome this responsibility because you are determined to follow the Lord Jesus to love neighbors, and to work for the reconciling hope of the world. Do you? Will you serve people with energy, intelligence, imagination, and love, relying on God's mercy and rejoicing in God's promises through Jesus Christ our Lord? Will you? And will we, part of the family of First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, support these with our prayers? Will we? Let us all pray. God of grace, who's called us to a common ministry as ambassadors of Christ, trusting us with a message of reconciliation, give to us all courage and discipline to follow where your servants rightly lead, that together we might declare your wonderful deeds and show your love to the world. Through Jesus Christ, the Lord of all, we pray it. Amen. Well. Ladies and gentlemen, we are now officially commissioned. We have some planning to do. If you have to get some stuff to Dave, get it to him because his truck is going to be departing with tools down to South Carolina. Some people will fly, some people will drive, and may God bless us all. And me, yeah, I'll be leaving too. Uh, Actually, I'll be here next Sunday, and then I take a plane and meet them all. Thank you. See, that's what's on some of our minds. I know for other people, we've come through this whole long holiday season, and Weight Watchers and Nutrisystem have their biggest months in January. (laughs) 
Several years ago, by the way, a following notice appeared in a church bulletin. Weight Watchers will meet this Tuesday at 7 p.m. in our church. Please use the large double doors at the side entrance. I, could, I don't know how that was really taken. Our text would have us focus on relationships within the family. And our story is about the time Mary and Joseph misplaced Jesus. I mean, it really must have been pretty embarrassing. Uh, It's one thing to be gone for a day, and then how long did they search for him? Three days. I mean, they were on their way home from visiting the temple in Jerusalem for the Passover, and they were among a large crowd of pilgrims, probably most of them from Nazareth, and they thought that Jesus was with the other children, and he wasn't, and they were really, I'm sure, unnerved to realize that somehow this had happened. And then Mary and Joseph hurried back to the holy city, and three days later they found their 12-year-old son in the temple and having deep discussion with the rabbis there. Did you know, Jesus said, that I must be about my father's business? I mean, I, I really think that Jesus was a good kid. I, I think we should be clear about that. I know what some of you are thinking, how absurd to say this. Of course, Jesus was a good child. He was God's own son. Well, that's true. But you and I are not Gnostics. Gnostics believe that Jesus didn't really become a human being ever. He was more like a ghost that kind of slipped into some kind of a body. But the writers of the New Testament want us to be very sure that we understand that Jesus was also not just God, but very human. And he did things, I'm sure, that other young children would do. It's always astounded me how between the, when our children are between the ages of 12 and 17, that most parents age about 30 years during that period. I say that because even nice kids, wonderful kids, can drive their parents up a wall. Why? Because they have their own identities, their own dreams, their own aspirations. Sometimes those dreams clash with parental dreams for them. Sometimes those dreams will lead them to very scary places. And we are stuck in the mode that assumes that the only effective years of parenting are when your kids are old enough to wash your car, but too young to drive it. So I've compiled a list of advice. I'm going to run through my advice. You can take it or leave it. If a child, let's begin with a very young child. My hands are small. Please don't expect perfection when I make a bed or draw a picture or throw a ball. My legs are short. Please slow down so that I can keep up with you. My eyes have not seen the world as you have. Please let me explore safely. Don't restrict me unnecessarily. Housework will always be there. 
I'm only little for a short time. Please take time to explain things to me about this wonderful world and do so willingly. My feelings are tender like yours. Please be a little more sensitive to my needs. Don't nag me all day long. You wouldn't want to be nagged for your inquisitiveness. Treat me like you would like to be treated. I am a special gift of God. Please treasure me as God intended you to do, holding me accountable for my actions, giving me guidelines to live by, disciplining me in a way that is loving. I need your encouragement to grow. Please go easy on the criticism. Remember, you can criticize the things I do without criticizing who I am. Please give me the freedom to make decisions concerning myself. Permit me to fail so that I can learn from my mistakes. Then someday I'll prepare to make the same kind of decisions that life requires of me. Please do not do things over for me. Somehow that makes me feel like my effort doesn't really measure up to your expectations. I know this is hard, but please do not try to compare me always with my brothers and my sisters or my neighbors across the street. Please don't be afraid to leave for a weekend together. Kids need vacations from parents just as parents need vacations from kids. Besides, it's a great way to show us that your marriage is very special. Let's go to church regularly, setting a good example to follow, because I really do enjoy learning about the world God created. And I believe that. I think that children really are curious about the world, and we prevent them from learning about God for a whole host of reasons that really, if we examine them, often revolve around our own personal convenience. Jesus' parents took him to the temple. They made that special trip. And why did Jesus know so much to be able to sit with the elders at the temple and the rabbis and have conversation with them? Probably because Joseph saw to it that he was schooled at the synagogue. So questions. Is Christ missing from your family? Do you need to search for him? And where will you find him? Let me tell you this one brief story that I think illustrates what I really want to say to us today. It was written down by Neil Chrisman, and he writes about a medical student who went to a counselor to have a conversation with her. Should she complete medical school or should she drop out to raise a family? And the counselor suggested to her that she could do both with a little outside help. And this student explained that she had vowed never to entrust her children to a housekeeper. And the counselor asked why. 
And the young woman explained that when she was a child, her parents would vacation in Europe each summer and would leave her back in the States with a nanny. One spring, when the girl was 11, the housekeeper suddenly quit. And the parents were very upset that their vacation would now be potentially jeopardized. But then a few days before their intended departure, they found a replacement nanny and housekeeper. When the daughter noticed her mother wrapping up all of the family silverware and jewels, she asked her why, since her mother had never done this before, before leaving for Europe. And her mother explained that she could not entrust a new housekeeper and a new nanny with the family valuables. And that remark stabbed this little girl in her heart. Was she not a family valuable? And was she not worth more than knives and forks? And she never got over it. And when she grew up, she promised that she would take care how she raised her own children. I think it's important to recognize the special care we have for so many of God's children in the life of this parish. And if you are parents and grandparents, how important and precious are the children God places in our hands to shape and to mold and to love. We have an example from the parents of Jesus and we have an example of, from Jesus himself. It's a good motto for us to follow, I think. As we present our gifts to God, let us use this prayer. God of this holy season, you bless us with an abundance of gifts. You do not give them as a reward for doing good, but as a means to reach out with healing past all hatred, that your world might be blessed with hope. Please receive our gifts for the sake of love. Amen.
Judy, if you've got prayer concerns, go ahead and bring them forward. There is much for which we can be grateful this particular Sunday, including Tom and Judy Hughes are celebrating their 66th wedding anniversary this week. We also give thanks and praise. Boy, Claire, it's really nice to see that you can make it this Sunday. Always a joy. Glad that the arthritis isn't keeping you down. Well done. Well done. Um, We're also giving thanks and praise for John's birthday, John Messenger's birthday coming up later this week, so a happy birthday to you, John. Yes, you're sheepishly hiding. Happy birthday anyways. (laughs) Thanks and praise to those of you wearing PJs today. It's a lot of fun, isn't it? We also give thanks and praise for the beautiful flowers and teddy bear that the Kellys give to us and reminding us of what would have been Sammy's seventh birthday. As we sang in Bethlehem, a newborn boy, I was thinking particularly of we share your pain and find your joy. May that be your peace and truth. We also give thanks and praise for the life of Marianne Collins' adoptive father. Marianne and Bob traveled south to be at his memorial service and so that she could eulogize him earlier this week. But they returned for Christmas Eve so that Bob could serve. Amazing family. We also give thanks and praise for the life of Marilyn Rienne. Nancy Sprinkle shared with us that George Link's wife, Marilyn Rienne, passed away on 1223. They were members here. We also give thanks and praise. Ron Pollock reminds us that no one was hurt in the fire at, Instep's, at the Instep Children's Home, for which we give thanks and praise, and we keep all of the children and Adam's ministry that we support in prayer. And Judy very kindly reminded me to remind you, please take a poinsettia home. Please take a poinsettia home. Please join me in prayer, friends. Thank you, creating Lord God, for binding us together in communities and families and for the complex interplay of each person with others. For those warm hugs of children, the unsettling insights of teenagers, and the married love that grows deeper through the years, we thank you for nurturing friendships, and for the sharp edge in the comments of those opponents who are willing to tell us the truths that our friends are reluctant to say, we thank you. For those who listen to us when we are bewildered, and those who ask the questions which help us find our way through many an impasse, we thank you. For the frank appreciation of people who dare to express their respect for our gifts and affirm us without ulterior motives, we thank you. For those precious people who are there for us through times of illness, broken relationships, indecision, unemployment, and the death of a loved one, no matter what the age, we thank you. For all who have a good sense of humor, who can laugh with us but never at us, whose sweet sanity saves us from taking ourselves too seriously, we thank you. For people whose patient love long ago set us on paths of fruitfulness and beauty, and whose remembered words and smiles still save us from doing something ill-advised, we thank you. For the people of the church, for those who may seem natural soulmates and those who we may may yet grow to appreciate, we thank you.
above all others, for Jesus of Nazareth, whose saving grace embraces us and links us together in a new family which bridges heaven and earth. For this, the most extraordinary among all gifts, we offer you our deepest thanks and highest praise. As we are poised to begin a new year, may we carol our willingness to continue to seek to be more like you, to serve you, and to pray as you taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. was kind of fun singing some of these. Um, what you may not know is that during the offertory, James was playing the first carol ever composed in North America. It was in the moon of wintertime, and it was really composed for the Huron Indians, Native Americans, and those Native tribes who were around Lake Ontario. Isn't that fascinating? was a wonderful piece, James. If you'd like to hear what James is going to play for the closing, you can sit down and, and listen because it's been wonderful having him here. I hope you've had a wonderful Christmas tide, and um, 
a time of reunion with family and friends. We wish God's blessing upon you. Go in peace. May the love of God the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the blessing of the Holy Spirit go with us and abide with us all today and in a life everlasting. Amen.